0: Hi, everyone. We're very pleased to welcome you to the third in our series of New Year, New You webinars uh, for this year. My name is Dan and I'm joined by Alexandra and we're both solicitors in Winkworth Sherwood's employment team.
1: So we thought that after the year we've had, you must have a lot of burning employment law questions. Um, We both have certainly had queries from family and friends who needed urgent employment law advice. Um, So we have decided to produce this session to try and answer some of them.
0: The main areas in which we've had queries about navigating the world of work, both at the end of last year and into 2021 are as follows. What happens if you're at risk of redundancy? What if your employer wants to make changes to your contract of employment? And lastly, do you have to go back to the
1: office? Okay, so let's make a start. Um, this is a pre-recorded session, so if you have any questions please feel free to either call or email us afterwards. Um, our contact details will be set out in the last slide.
0: So as I mentioned the first question we'll attempt to answer is what should you do if unfortunately you might be or someone you know might be faced with a redundancy situation in 2021? What are your rights and what can you do to protect yourself in those circumstances?
1: So, yes, Done, it's been a turbulent year, to say the least, um, and we have seen many redundancies being announced in the press um, and on a personal level have seen many of our friends um, and family, unfortunately, being affected as well. I think it will be helpful if we set out the redundancy process first and give our useful tips um. On how to navigate it. Um, so I think the first thing to note is that you will only have rights on redundancy if you have been with your employer for two or more years. Um, it's unlikely that they would even call it the redundancy if you have less service than that, but you do only acquire unfair dismissal rights after two years. There are some exceptions to this rule, for example, whether it's discrimination or whistleblowing.
0: Okay, so what would a fair redundancy look like?
1: So there are two elements to a fair redundancy. The first element is that there has to be a genuine redundancy situation. um, And the second is that a fair process has to be followed by the employer.
0: OK. And you mentioned a genuine redundancy situation just then. What's that?
1: So a genuine redundancy situation will arise in three scenarios. Um, One is where there is a business closure. Second is where there is a workplace closure. Or third, if there is the need for employees to carry out work of a particular kind has ceased or diminished or is likely to do so. Um, The last scenario is really the most common one we deal with. The best example of this is, say, um, where a company is getting fewer orders from customers or anticipates getting fewer orders in the near future and therefore needs fewer people um, to process them.
0: Okay. What should people expect from their employers in terms of a fair process?
1: So, um, taking the example of our company, it will have a number of people whose job is to process orders. Um, if the jobs they carry out are the same or similar, um, they should be all be placed in a redundancy selection pool together. All these individuals then be notified by the employer that they are at risk of redundancy. Um, So that's the first step in the process. Um, The second step in the process is for the employer to apply a set of fair redundancy selection criteria to decide which of those individuals um, should be selected for redundancy. Um, Selection criteria should be objective um, and can include um, the standard of work, skills qualification or experience, disciplinary record um, and attendance record um, again you should be informed that you have been provisionally selected and ideally have been made aware of your scores. The third step in the process is that after you have been selected there's not This doesn't automatically mean that you will be dismissed. Um, The company still has to take reasonable steps to explore alternatives to your redundancy, um, such as other vacancies within the business, flexible working, um, or temporary reduction um, in working hours.
0: How long do those steps usually last?
1: So there's no set time period as such. Um, It's usually takes around one um, to two weeks, but it can be done in a couple of days, as long as meaningful consultation has taken place. Um, In large scale redundancies, if there are 20 or more proposed redundancies, the employer will be subject to um, collective consultation obligations. So you'll be consulted both as part of the group um, and individually as well. um, And the process uh, will last a minimum of 30 days.
0: And and what should we look out for during the process? Uh, How best can you position yourself if you face a potential redundancy?
1: So um, you should just ask questions, ask as many questions as you can, really. Um, So there are some potentially some points you can challenge um, in relation to the process that I've just described. Um, Firstly, is there a genuine redundancy situation? Um, We've seen some companies using the pandemic as an excuse to get rid of what they perceive to be troublesome employees um, under the guise of redundancy. So think about it. Have you raised any grievances, blew the whistle, or been off work with health issues for a long time? Consider whether you may be targeted for a specific reason or if the redundancy simply um, just doesn't sound genuine. Uh, The second point of challenge could be uh, redundancy selection pools. Um, So technically, everybody who is doing a job the same or similar to yours or has the same or similar skills to you should be included in the redundancy selection pool. An obvious example of that would be when everybody who processes orders in your team has been included, apart from your boss's best friend. Um, You can ask questions about the employer's rationale for the pool selection and challenge them on any decisions that seem unfair. Thirdly, um, the selection criteria should be applied fairly and be objective as far as as possible um, so that the scores do not just depend on the opinion of the person making the selection um, but can be checked objectively uh, against things such as attendance records um, or performance reviews. Um, The manager should not score you down just because they subjectively don't get on with you um, or because you have... Blown the whistle, have a disability, or are pregnant, to name just a few um, examples of prohibited criteria. Lastly, um, your employer has a duty to take reasonable steps to find your employment. Um, if you also li- um, it should also listen to any suggestions you uh, may have to make, such as going part-time um, or reducing your salary. One useful thing to know is that. Um, If you are on maternity leave, you have more rights and are entitled to be offered any suitable alternative vacancy ahead of your colleagues.
0: So you mentioned alternatives to redundancy. Could you perhaps ask to be put on furlough as an alternative?
1: Yes, I mean, that's a good question, um, and it's a question we quite often asked. Um, some employers have chosen to furlough their staff as a temporary measure in order to avoid making redundancies. Um, you may be able to ask to be furloughed. There's certainly no harm in trying. Um, but if ultimately you, the employer thinks there will not be a job for you at the end of the furlough leave, um, and currently the furlough scheme is expiring at the end of April, um, it can dismiss you now.
0: OK. And what if you aren't getting anywhere with your employer they aren't receptive to the questions that you ask and you feel that they've sort of already made up their mind.
1: Yeah so the employer should really keep an open mind during the consultation process because the aim of the consultation should be to save as many jobs as possible um, and this will essentially go to the fairness of the process. Um, Even if you don't save, save yourself a job perhaps you could negotiate yourself a better exit package if you can point to any real unfairness or potentially discriminatory um, or unlawful treatment um, to your employer.
0: And in this context, what what do you have in mind by a a better exit package?
1: So um, by that, I mean something above your contractual and statutory entitlements. Um, Your employer may tell you what those are on redundancy as part of the process and should certainly do so when dismissing you. Um, But you can figure this out yourself ahead of time. So firstly, you should check your contract and see what notice period applies to your employment. Um, This would be a minimum of one week per each year of service up to a maximum of 12 weeks. So for example, if you've been somewhere for six years, your contract might state that you're entitled to one month's notice, but in reality, uh, by law you're entitled to six weeks. Um, You'll also be entitled to any accrued uh, but untaken holiday, um, and you'll also be entitled to a tax-free statutory redundancy payment um, that will be a a maximum of 538 pounds per each year of service between the ages of 21 and 40, or slightly less or more if in lower or higher age brackets. Um, The company may also have a redundancy policy under which you may be entitled to an enhanced redundancy payment, um, so that's worth checking as well. Um, You should also check the terms that would apply to you after termination, like post-termination restrictions preventing you from getting a job with a competitor or soliciting the employer's customers or clients for a number of months after termination, um, which could affect your ability to find another job in the same field.
0: How would you recommend that we go about trying to negotiate a a better exit package that achieves more than those minimum entitlements?
1: So um, the way to look at it really is to be aware of what you may be entitled to if you were to bring a successful claim in the employment tribunal. Uh, The tribunal would compensate you for any period you're out of work, um, which in the current circumstances could be months or even a year. Or if there is an element of discrimination or whistleblowing, Uh, it could also compensate you for any injury to your feelings. Um, So bearing this in mind, I would say that there are two general approaches depending on how good case um, you think you have. So the first approach is if you have serious concerns about the redundancy, um, you should challenge it and seek to negotiate compensation um, on the basis I've just described. Any first um, £30,000 of compensation should be paid to you tax-free. You should really take some specialist advice at this point in order to ensure that you um, present your arguments in the best possible way. The second approach is if you believe your redundancy is likely genuine and it's just a matter of time, as there are no other jobs you could be placed into, um, you could offer to forego the redundancy consultation process in exchange for a slightly enhanced redundancy payment, for example, um, or perhaps um, seek to negotiate the the shortening or or complete waiver of your post-termination restrictions um, on the basis of your employer's goodwill.
0: How should we go about a conversation like that?
1: Um, so firstly you should be aware that any conversation about your potential departure should only be held on a so-called without prejudice basis. Um, this means that the conversation um, is confidential and cannot be referred to in court. Um, you could either send an email um, without, without prejudice Heather um, Or at one of your consultation meetings, as part of the redundancy process, ask to speak um, without prejudice and be prepared with the terms that you are seeking. Um, So these will include, um, for example, how you want your notice period to be treated, um, i.e. if you're happy to work it out or would you prefer to be paid um, in lieu any holiday that you wrote, um, any compensation that you might be seeking, um, an agreed reference, um, and if you have any post-termination restrictions um, that you would like the company to shorten or waive. Um, if the company engages with you, um, you might be asked to enter into a settlement agreement in return for waiving your claims against them. At this point, um, you can instruct an independent lawyer for advice um, and the employer will normally offer a small contribution towards your legal fees. Um, one other useful thing um, to note is that if you are working out your notice you are entitled to reasonable paid um, ta- paid time off to look for a new job.
0: If you're dismissed at the end of a redundancy process do you then have a right of appeal?
1: Um, so your employer does not have to give you um, a right of appeal but they'll quite often do. If you have not raised the challenges as part of the original process, th- this is definitely your chance. Um, but it's always best to challenge um, any unfairness in the process, as in when you see it as perhaps something may be done in time to save your job and you might not get a right of appeal.
0: So what happens if you're dismissed, uh, if you are given the right to appeal that isn't successful and you haven't managed to engage your employer in that sort of without prejudice discussion, what would you recommend at that point?
1: So litigation should always um, really be the last resort but it is open to you to bring a claim in the employment tribunal. Um, You should take specialist advice at this stage but um, you should be aware of the strict time limits for bringing claims in order that you don't miss the deadline. Um, So you'll only have three months less one day to bring a claim um, from your last day of employment. So for example um, if your last day of employment was 1st of December count three months to the 1st of March and take away one day so the last day to bring your claim is 28th of February. For discrimination and whistleblowing claims time usually counts from the decision to dismiss rather than your last day of employment um, and tribunals are, are really very strict in relation to the time limits. so you should ensure um, you bring your claim in time.
0: And is there anything that you should do before you take that step of going to the tribunal and bringing your claims?
1: Um, So, apart from um, obtaining specialist advice if you can, um, you must commence ACAS early conciliation process before you bring your claim. This should be done, well, this must be done before your claim expires, um, and you won't be able to bring your claim without it. Um, it's a confidential and free service whereby you are assigned a conciliator who will seek to negotiate a settlement between you and your employer in order that litigation can be avoided. Um, so a really useful service and really another bite of the cherry at negotiating something. Um, so definitely a step worth taking um, in any event. It will also act to extend a time limit to bring a claim, but it's best to take specialist advice on this point. Um, so that brings the end to the redundancy section and um, we know that redundancy is not the only way in which um, employers are responding to these challenging times. So what other trends are we seeing then?
0: That's absolutely right. Um, It's fair to say that there's been plenty of press coverage lately about the way that some of the nation's largest employers are changing the terms and conditions of their employees' contracts, sometimes en masse covering thousands of employees and in quite controversial circumstances. It's fair to say that not every change to a contract is like that. Uh, Many changes to employees' contracts happen without much discussion or even documentation, particularly when they're sort of good news for the employees such as a pay rise or a promotion. Uh, on the other hand obviously they can be somewhat more contentious when they're sort of detrimental to the employee in question uh, so that could be for example a pay cut or a reduction in hours. Uh, I know that anecdotally uh, particularly during the pandemic I think we've both seen employers trying to give themselves some flexibility to uh, reduce our working hours or some flexibility in their in their shift schedules for example whether that flexibility is actually being used in practice is sometimes another question but employers certainly seem to want it at the moment mm. on the other hand I suppose some employers will would just say that some of these changes are necessary to keep their businesses viable in this sort of very challenging context that we currently find ourselves
1: um, so if one of us is asked for a change to our contract um how do you think um we should handle
0: it. As much as you suggested, really, um, a lot of it is about asking, asking questions. So ultimately, a contract of employment is an agreement between two parties. Um, when you signed, you might already have agreed to give your employer a measure of flexibility uh, in the contract itself without needing to seek further agreement from you. So quite commonly, contracts of employment include clauses, for example, that allow them to uh, move you between offices, let's say if they relocate their premises. Otherwise, when one party wants to change the contract, it usually needs to seek the consent of the other because you're changing what you have agreed fundamentally. So the most traditional and usually the most productive way of achieving a change to a contract of employment is to Be straightforward about the reasons for it and come come out and ask for that change, whether that's by a letter or or a meeting for example. As a matter of good management, a wise employer will usually enter into the process as a sort of consultation and therefore you should be given the opportunity, not so much as a matter of law, but just employee relations to ask questions. So in any case, even if you aren't expressly given that opportunity, do still ask those questions.
1: So are there any specific questions um, which we could ask?
0: Absolutely. So I suppose the first and perhaps the most important is what what is this proposed change based upon and how was the decision reached? And then hopefully that will permit you to ask some further follow on questions, really challenge the the rationale for for that change and whether it's necessary. Um, Another very important question is, is everyone affected equally by this proposed change? Uh, If you have any concerns about the changes, perhaps disproportionately affecting certain groups, so uh, women, younger employees, part time employees, for example, there are more, but just as examples, then your employer should take that quite seriously as a potential issue under the Equality Act 2010. And if you raise that concern, you shouldn't be treated detrimentally or experience any reprisals as a result. Again, that could be quite serious for your employer if that if that is the case. Um, Particularly where pay cuts are suggested, but certainly not exclusively, one important question to ask is how long will these changes last? Um, Could you reach an agreement where instead of a permanent alteration to your pay, there's a time-limited deduction, um, perhaps even a postponement or a deferral whereby you actually receive that money later down the line, subject to certain conditions? On the other hand, if you're asked to work uh, reduced hours um, or to part time. uh, One other option to ask about is whether your employer has considered the possibility of placing you on furlough. And that's definitely much more of an option since the changes to furlough, which we saw some months ago, and particularly the introduction of flexible furlough. So it's now much less of an all or nothing matter. Check and query whether your employer is making the fullest of all the government support available. And gov.uk contains some very, very helpful information about that, which is subject to change.
1: Thanks, Dan. That, that's really helpful. Um, but what will happen if we can't agree?
0: I mean, it's certainly a possibility uh, since a contract can usually mainly be changed by consent only. If you don't agree, normally that would be the end of the matter and the employer you know, wouldn't be able to pursue it any further. Uh, I think it's fair to say that in reality matters are somewhat different and that's because a contract of employment is it's not a one-off agreement it's a continuing relationship. That's why so many people do agree to changes because they have to maintain that relationship and sometimes they even agree to changes because fundamentally they need to sort of do their part in helping to keep their employer afloat. If your employer really does feel that they Absolutely have to have this change that they're suggesting to you. One option that they can take is to dismiss you and then immediately rehire you on a new contract. And it's this practice that's been quite controversial lately. Depending on whether you have the necessary two-year service, which you referred to, Alexandra, you may have a claim for unfair dismissal. On the other hand, that may not be worth a great deal if you have immediately been offered a job at the same or a similar level of pay, for example, on those slightly revised terms. That's not to say that you don't have options if you disagree with the change. Uh, One is to make a formal grievance, which is a complaint to your employer, which should trigger a formal process of investigation on their part. That's not something that employers often look forward to and it could lead to a compromise. Um, You could also involve ACAS, um, as we mentioned earlier. They're an independent conciliation service and they may be able to offer some support and broker some kind of solution. In the meantime, you should be quite clear that um, if changes have been imposed upon you, you're working under protest and that you don't agree with them. This can be quite important because if time passes and you haven't raised any objection, you might be taken to agree to the change, especially if you've received some kind of benefit in return in the meantime. Ultimately, I suppose, at the sort of very last step, you might have claims for unlawful deduction from wages, or uh, you might be able to claim constructive unfair dismissal, for example, where you feel that you've been pushed to leave because this change is simply intolerable. Um, That's not something to be done lightly, obviously. And the reality is that in most situations, compromise is achievable and is the best solution. But sometimes being informed about your rights is just what you need to do to get there.
1: So um, lastly, um, heading into 2021, let's look at the million dollar question. Do you have to go back to the office?
0: Well, I I think it's fair to say that obviously the pandemic has accelerated a lot of trends and particularly in the sort of space of working practices. And many of us are working from home at the moment with various degrees of enthusiasm about that. I think that there are really two related but slightly different issues going on here and and the first is safety uh, and genuine concern about whether it's safe to return to the office or, or your workplace. The second is, you know, people having seen a different model of working and thinking that that might be more appropriate for their needs in the future. At the moment, I would say that the first is probably more prominent, Uh, obviously, as we speak in January 2021, we're currently under lockdown. And so I would say that the controlling factor is uh, the government's coronavirus law and regulation at the moment. Hopefully no one is in the position of uh, feeling that they have to or are being forced to return to a workplace that is actually unsafe. Um, if you refuse in that situation and some kind of reprisals uh, result then that could be very serious indeed it could amount to unfair dismissal even if you don't have those two years service which we referred to earlier if you are in that situation I would really encourage you to seek some specialist support Um, it's not something I'm going to go into in too much detail now but definitely do do reach out and, and get some assistance with that I think Um, What's more relevant for most of us and what we're beginning to think about is uh, what the future holds, what, you know, will we be required to go back into the office? Um, Post-COVID, will we be returning to a five-day commuting week? And if we want to have a sort of hybrid split week of working in the office and working from home uh, or even being permanently remote, is that something that we can achieve?
1: So, um I doubt we will return to a a five-day-a-week commute, though I'm aware that some employers have been requiring requiring people to come in every day, um, and are really reluctant to change their working practices, particularly if they don't have the technology to facilitate remote working. Um, At the more extreme end, the employer can threaten disciplinary action if you don't follow a reasonable management instruction, as ultimately, if you're an employee, there is a right to direct you. But most employers hopefully um, will have their mind open. Um, if you have been working from home effectively, um, the employer should explain the reason they require you to be in the office. Is it for team or client meetings, for example? Um, if, you require, if they require you to be in the office um, due to a lack of trust, this could potentially be um, a breach of their duty of trust and confidence um, owed to you. The best approach is probably to begin um, with an informal discussion with your line manager and the more you can show that you have given thought to and can accommodate the needs of the business, the more likely you are to succeed in getting what you want. Um, Depending on the outcome, you might feel that you need to be a little more formal um, to have your request taken seriously. So... If you have at least um, 26 weeks, so so essentially um, six months continuous service, you have the right to make a statutory flexible working request and have it considered. Um, That is not quite the same as having the right to work flexibly itself, um, which is something that the government is considering introducing, Uh, but if you have worked successfully from home um, for a long period it might be quite hard um, for the employer to object to. Um, So that really brings an end to uh, the webinar, and we hope that you found it helpful. Um, Please do get in touch with us if you have any questions at all. Um, We hope that um, we are leaving you a little better equipped um, to face the world of working 2021 than when you were um, half an hour ago.
0: Absolutely. The link from this webinar will be available after our session. So if you'd like to rewatch it or share it with any uh, friends or colleagues who you think might find it helpful, please do. The next and last webinar in our New Year New Year series is on charities, giving safely and getting involved. That will go live on Thursday, the 28th of January at 1pm. And there's still time to register. So we do hope that you join us then.
1: Yeah, it'd be lovely if you could. Um, and thank you very much um, all for watching.
0: Thank you.